0: Hey everyone, I'm Brendan Hill and this is Forward Thinking, a podcast by MediG. Each week I talk to inspirational business owners, brands and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. What is your personal brand? That's what I'm exploring this week with my very special guest, Fleur Brown. Fleur has just released her new book, The Business of Being You, Personal Brand Secrets of Celebrities and CEOs. Fleur touches on many of her personal branding secrets in today's episode, including her work with the king of personal branding, Sir Richard Branson. In my conversation with Fleur, we cover a wide range of topics, including how to build a minimum viable personal brand, how your personal backstory is also your business backstory and how to write the perfect LinkedIn bio. So I have a bit of work to do on my LinkedIn profile after today's episode. So please enjoy this special personal branding episode with Flo Brown. Flo, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Brendan. Great to be here.
0: Thanks for coming in. Obviously, an amazing bio. Lots of things that you can teach to small, medium businesses and early stage startups as well. One of the things that really caught my eye is your work with personal branding. So, when did you realize that personal branding was such a strong uh, thing in business?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. And just going back to the bio, thank you for that. I do. Um Part of the core work that I teach in personal brand is how to write a bio.
0: <laughs> so if <laughs> that, mine's not so good, good <laughs>
1: we're in trouble. <laughs> so oh, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know if I have like this sort of moment in time. However, mm. I guess for the last two decades, I have done really deep work with businesses of all sizes And startups and the common denominator was always the people, you know, the leaders. And I realized that I can't actually promote a brand very well unless you have a a leader who's prepared to step forward and be visible. Right. I've also done work with quite a few celebrities. I have a television background. And so the common thread through my career was really working with individuals to grow a company message using a human face. And then I realized, you know, it is really all about the human face And then when social media really came into its own, you know, a few years ago, it was obvious that the driver for traction on social media is always a person. Mm. You know, you have a company brand sitting in parallel to a leader's brand who works for that company. And most of the time, the number of followers and the engagement is, you know, off the Richter scale for the individual versus the company itself. So personal brand really drives the modern form of communication, particularly in the digital space.
0: And I noticed on your profile as well, someone that has stepped forward and is very visible when building their company, Richard Branson. Yes. So you had the chance to work with Sir Richard? I did.
1: He was my corporate crush. (laughs) So that's one thing off the bucket list. Um, A few years ago, he came out to launch an initiative called the Carbon War Room, which was part of the Virgin offshoot companies. And I was working with the group that were promoting and taking ownership of that initiative in Australia. And they brought him out, of course, to launch that program. So yeah, it was exciting to have that opportunity. And we we also worked with uh, I guess the original personal brand It Girl, which was Paris Hilton, um, mm. some years before. And it's funny because I remember the two of them meeting in Icebergs and Bondi, and <laughs> sort of had this mutual respect. I thought, well, they should, mm. because they've both been really iconic when it comes to using the power of their personality to you know meet their own objectives. Mm. Um, yeah, and Kim Kardashian was out there for that tour as well, but oh, wow. she was. Uh, quite unheard of at that point.
0: (laughs) Right. Still working on a personal brand at that point.
1: She was hanging out with the right person because she's with Paris and (laughs) I think she learned a few things from Paris.
0: (laughs) Interesting. And obviously, personal branding, it's a great way to differentiate your business, as you said. So, I mean, how can the guys listening to this podcast now, how can they start their journey on personal branding?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, look, the great thing about running a small business, having a startup, particularly if you're the entrepreneur is you don't have to work very hard to find your personal story and connection to the business. Mm. Something I've found working with hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs over the years is that the formation of the business always relates to them solving a problem that they had personally right. you know, or an aspiration they had personally. So their backstory is the business backstory and that's really helpful because one of the main principles of personal branding that really works the best in any forum, whether it's, you know, a public speaking event or um, social media or writing a book is your series of personal stories and and what you're passionate about and how that relates to what you're actually selling or telling.
0: Mm. So
1: for a business owner, the reason that they started the business... Is something that usually is quite eternal with that business. They may change their products and services, but the reason they're in business is quite a strong thematic. And if you're not the entrepreneur, but you are the manager of that business, no doubt you've picked that up as part of the company culture. Something Richard Branson's really amazing at doing is imbuing his own, you know, cultural ethos right through his set of companies. I think yeah, that runs really strongly, and I'm sure mm. you know business owners who are really passionate about why they formed the company will do the same thing. So identifying that theme and the reason that you're in business and basing a lot of content around that kind of thematic. So an example of that might be someone like Nick Molnar from Afterpay. You know, Afterpay Mm. is quite a successful brand, that, not without their share of controversy, but that's what happens when you get big. Um, But, you know, Nick was really clear on why he started the business as a millennial and he really targeted the millennial customer base and he was solving a problem for them. And he stayed very true to that kind of focus and a lot of his communication. I know LinkedIn recently endorsed him as their top business influence, I think, in Australia. Wow. And a lot of the content that he was putting out there related, it was you know, going right back to the roots of that company and why he mm. started it. He stayed really true to that. So I think identifying and getting in touch with that original thematic and building a content plan around that is really powerful for you.
0: So, I mean, the business owner, they want to build a content plan, but I mean, it's hard to measure the ROI of personal branding. What are some easy ways that they can get started?
1: Well, I think the fundamentals that I always work with is firstly, you've got to want to be visible. So i run a lot of workshops and work closely with a lot of individuals in the space who are not, you know, celebrities or CEOs, they're just everyday professionals or, you know, they might be entrepreneurs. There's a huge reluctance, particularly in Australia, Mm. to actually embrace having a personal brand. It's a bit cringeworthy for people. (laughs) They feel like they're kind of rating themselves and it might look like a dickhead, excuse my French. So half the battle is just being willing to go there and to Mm. be visible and to actually have something to say. Yeah. Part of that is choosing the channels that you're going to work on. So if you are a company that's marketing to other businesses, you can't look past LinkedIn. Yeah, for it's sure. It's an excellent B2B channel. Mm. Um, if you are marketing to consumers, then you're going to pick more you know, consumer social channels. You also need to pick a mode that works for you. So some people just are not writers. They don't enjoy the process. They feel very self-conscious. It's agonising for them to write things. Mm. So if that's the case, you don't torture yourself by trying to write these long blog posts. Mm. I think, you know, you might outsource that or you work with something different like video or you know a podcast or perhaps the speaking circuit is something for you you might organise smaller events that kind of thing
0: yeah i remember seth godin always says if you write how you speak you'll never get writer's block so there's definitely a channel for everyone out there i think as well
1: yeah there is and and not everyone has to do you know lots and lots of writing writing's mm. you know quite fundamental to a lot of different marketing opportunities, but you don't have to write really, really long pieces, you know, or chain yourself to the desk doing writing. You might be a great natural presenter, whereas other people are really scared by that. Mm. So it's kind of finding the mode that you have. I always say to people, the fundamentals are, you know, or if you're a startup, your minimal minimum viable brand <laughs>
0: right.
1: is that you need to have a decent up-to-date photo. Right. with eye contact. Yep. You know, it's so not
0: your Facebook photo?
1: Not not your favourite wedding shot or the <laughs> shot with you with your ex-partner and their hands still around your shoulder but you've cut them out of the photo or yep. you're in a helicopter as mm. I saw someone or standing in a bar. It's sort of slightly yep. more, you know, it's got to be a, Clearly visible. Photos are all about trust. Mm. You need to be making eye contact. You don't have sunglasses on. It's, yeah. you know, it's showing your face so people recognize you. And a, a recent photo so that they don't do a double take when they actually see you in person. Yeah. So a decent photo and a decent bio. So mm. what's a bio? It's like a five-paragraph description of you know, who you are, what you're focused on, what you're passionate about. I've got a little cheats guide to writing a bio on my website if anyone wants to look at that. That bio is really important because it's how people describe you. Right. We're all time poor and lazy. And so even big event organisers, like say you're turning up to speak at something, Mm. they're probably going to just take your bio from your LinkedIn profile or something and literally read it out.
0: Yeah. That's what we do here on the podcast sometimes. Right. So,
1: you know, or if you're on a panel, they might ask you to introduce yourself. Now that's very common. Yeah. So what are you going to say? You know, like. Gone are the days of people doing that thinking for you when they're doing introductions. It's like a free ad for you. So have a think about how you assemble that information about yourself Mm. and have that written down somewhere where it's easily accessible for people who are going hunting for that content before they – they might just be doing – they might be introducing you to a business opportunity or a career break or something like that. They're going to go looking – for an easy description of who you are Mm. that they can use when they're making that recommendation to someone else.
0: And what were a couple of the points on the cheat sheet, if you can remember them? Yeah,
1: so you don't bury the gold. So make sure that in the first sentence or two it's really clear what you're doing currently. We right. don't need to know what you've been doing for the last 15 years in your career until we get to the point of what you're doing now. Yeah. A little paragraph, if you're running a business, you know it's appropriate to describe what your business does and really mm. describe it because we have all our industry jargon and our cute way of saying things, but unless it's super clear, you'll find that people won't actually recommend you because they're not clear on what you do yeah, or they don't know how to describe it or they won't purchase from you because they don't really get, you know, what you're saying that you're doing. So a really super basically clear, you know, description of your what your business does and what it offers, stating the obvious in some ways. And then a little glimpse of, you know, your passion. So that's where your backstory might come in. Like, you know, why were you the person that invented the toothbrush? You know, no. what was the driving force there? People like to connect with, you know, the real person.
0: Mm. And what about injecting your personality into your buyers? I mean, a big sort of theme I'm seeing on LinkedIn at the moment. Yeah,
1: I think um, you absolutely have to be human. And Mm. other things I talk to people about is in your, like, say, your social media recipe, if it was a pie graph, you know, you'd have a good percentage of that would just be everyday human relatable stuff. Like you've got to be a human, not a robot. You're not a spam bot. You're not there (laughs) to just broadcast your sales pictures to people
0: because you just
1: lose people. Yeah. So, you know, showing who you are as a person, things that you're passionate about and you love doing, that's important, but you know, choose the right content for the right channel. You don't want to be showing your kids high school graduation on LinkedIn mm. or what you had for breakfast. It's a professional channel. Yeah. So, just kind of been cautious with that. But yeah, absolutely showing your personality in terms of the tone and the way you use language, like I have this debate with people about whether they should be first person or third person on their bios okay. on LinkedIn and I always say whatever you want is fine as long as it doesn't read like a CV because mm. frankly no one wants to hire someone who looks like the job hunting anyway
0: yeah.
1: and it's just boring, it's tedious, it's just kind of a list of where you've worked. You need to kind of thread information together. Mm. but keep in mind that if it's not third-person, people can't just lift it and use it. They've got to do some heavy lifting themselves and kind of reworking it into a third-person description of what you do. Interesting. So, yeah, you can go either way, but just keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. I think this is a good segue into presenting. So I know you've done a lot of work in presenting, one of the founders of TEDx in Sydney. So how does presenting relate to personal brand?
1: Well, I think... In our career and in running a business, there are many times and we'll, we will need to have presenting skills. Mm. So, for example, in the early stages of building a startup, the first twelve months is often almost a full time job trying to pitch for funding. Yeah, and at the end of the day, pitching for funding is all about presenting, mm. and it is actually all about practicing. Right. Um, if you are a CEO or an aspiring, you know, leader, you will be asked to speak and you need to even just inspire your staff so even just you know having discussions with your staff a lot of us have to create business partnerships as part of our business development you're negotiating you're pitching you know you're pitching a proposal so these skills are really important and you know if I go back to my own career when I started my business I had a business partner who was incredibly articulate and I was you know quivering in the corner kind of scripting myself up the Yazoo before I went into even a client meeting, wow. which was insane. Yeah. So I did a few things. Um, mm-hmm. I went to theatre sports just to kind of lose my fear of being in the moment. Okay. That was great. Eventually I did stand-up comedy. I was awful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really good experience <laughs> because I realised that practice is gold. You know, mm-hmm. I had always avoided practice because I was one of those people that thought that you just run with the adrenaline that kind of contradicts what I was saying about scripting myself. But when it came to public speaking, I sort of felt like there was an adrenaline rush that helped you on the day. Mm. And that's true. But that you should use that for your audience engagement and your X factor, but mm. not to remember what you're saying. Because when you're standing up in front of people and you can't remember what you're supposed to be saying or you, mm. your eyes are glued to your notes or glued to the screen, yeah. you're not really not engaging with people. So I learned, you know, that practicing is really important as well.
0: Amazing. And can you tell us a bit more about your time at TEDx?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess like many people, I was a big fan of Big Ted. Um, I've gone over to the event um, myself. And at that time in Australia, I think I felt there was a few of us kind of feeling that it was a bit cringeworthy that we were always willing to take these speakers from overseas and talk about them in, you know, revered terms. And yet... In Australia, we had this wonderful array of talent that we weren't putting on stage and we weren't putting Mm. a platform beneath them. So I guess there was a few of us kind of thinking about the idea of having a TEDx event in Australia. And I don't think there were any TEDx events when we started. Right. Remo Giffray was probably the strongest, the person giving the greatest focus to that at the time. And he, Remo, had been to, I think, every single TED event um, ever. He was friends with... Chris wow. Anderson, amazing connection to Big Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were a few other people who were kind of having chats with Remo. And then I was having chats with someone else, and someone said, You need to connect with Remo. And so there was a team of five of us, I think five or six at that time, that decided to back in TEDx Sydney. Great. Remo took the license and we got it started as a small and beautiful thing. And It was a really amazing experience across the five years, the first five years of building it because it was a great example of just having the self-belief to imagine that it's going to get great because when we started it, it was a beautiful little event. But a lot of people, you know, I'd be on the phone to media or to partners or other people and they just didn't know what it was. Right. So you just kind of had to really – Stick to your faith in terms mm. of you know believing that this could be big. and of course now it's huge. Yeah. You know, it's now five thousand people I wow. CCC, It's been sustainably funded, and it's launched the global careers of a lot of speakers. So wow. achieved all of those original objectives and then some. And then the other thing that was part of an amazing part of it was the team of volunteers. Mm. I, I've lost count of how many volunteers now work at TEDx Sydney, but think about that influence, all those people. That get to be part of a community um, mm. that's there for social impact, positive social impact. There's now thousands of people in Sydney who've had that experience. And then the ripple effect of that, they've all gone on to do really interesting community things. So it's a really mm. great breeding ground for positive community impact, I think.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's been many business books written about TEDx talks, how to give a talk. Are there a few tips that stand out that, you know, everyday business owners can use?
1: Yes. I think um, if you look at, You know, TED Talks, as many of us do, you'll notice that there's very few excellent speakers in a technical sense. Mm. You know, a lot of people who have stood on the TED stage or the TEDx stage have been plucked from the back room somewhere. You know, they might be a scientist madly working on some incredible invention or, you know, the people that aren't normally necessarily in the spotlight. So they're not Mm. the most polished speaker. So it's really not about that. Right. I remember seeing the speech from this woman who was the mother of one of the Columbine shooters. Wow. And, you know, you can imagine how challenging it was for her to stand on that stage, and she was shaking. But you didn't notice after a minute because you're just captivated by what she was sharing. Mm. So really I think the fundamentals are that you need to be an expert. So yeah. you don't talk about things you are not an expert in and that, you know, there's a mostly experts on stage passionate about the topic. The passion cures a multitude of technical evils. (laughs) So, and also the audience just forgets, you know, you might be have awkward body language or whatever, but they forget and they forgive because you're so passionate and you're an expert in your field. So I think those are things that just kind of add that X factor for speakers.
0: Excellent. And for business owners that are looking to engage with more speaking opportunities, because, I mean, as you mentioned, they're presenting every day, you know, phone calls, sales meetings, meetings with their staff, pitching to investors potentially. I mean, how can these guys start to practice and get on the speaking circuit?
1: Yeah. Look, practicing out loud is really helpful. And that's something I learned through the stand-up comedy experience, mm. because there's a, I've written hundreds of speeches for other people in my career. And I always used to stand at the back of the room and sometimes Cringe if they hadn't actually read them out loud before they got on stage. Right.
0: Because
1: the written word doesn't always translate very well into spoken word or it doesn't mm. sound like you. So practicing out loud is really important. I've actually just started a little venture called Talk Club okay. um, to give people a chance to practice in front of a friendly audience. You know, people, it's sort of like a Toastmaster thing. Mm. So we had the first one the other night and it, it went really well. But in terms of getting on the so called speaking circuit, I think my advice would be. Approach event organisers of events that you've been to. Right. So, you know, the low hanging for you are the events that you've enjoyed attending and you've kind of got a feel for what they're looking for. You know, it's easy enough when you're in an event to approach the organiser and just sort of say, look, I feel like I'd have something useful for this audience. You know, Mm. would you be interested? Would you be open to, you know, me speaking? Right. And then, you know, do practice out loud. Do bother your friends, family and colleagues, you know, for a little practice session because that just means your performance is going to be so much stronger Mm. on the day. And then do promote the fact that you've been speaking. So use a channel like LinkedIn to tell people that you were talking because sometimes there might be 50 people in the room, but there's 500 people on LinkedIn that see that Yeah. and more breeds more. So when you speak, other people mm. think about you as a potential speaker. And then the last tip I would say is if you don't like what's on offer or, you, or you're struggling to actually get those opportunities, create a forum. Right. Do it through partnership. You know, there might be a group of, you know, four or five of you who have something to offer to the same type of customer, combine mm. your customer bases and run a little event. And s- sometimes those things, you know, everything starts small. TEDx Sydney started, it was tiny. Wow. And now it's huge. So when something works, it's there's no problem with it being small. It can grow very gradually and beautifully from there.
0: Awesome. And can you tell us a story of a time when you gave a talk at an event and there was some kind of amazing opportunity that came from you, I guess, getting out of your comfort zone in the early days? giving a talk and connecting with a new audience.
1: (laughs) This will be one of those long pause moments. I'm just thinking back with horror to the times (laughs) when I used to give completely written-out speeches um, and just these awful moments when you're speaking, when you just sort of think you lose your navigation and... And you can't quite catch up, and you're sort of trying to keep words coming out of your mouth while you're madly scanning the page to try oh, and. Try. Wow. But I just, we just in a totally different world now. Like, you know, mm. vulnerability is in vogue now, and no one does that full scripting thing, which is great because yeah. the audience connection is so much better. So, back to your question, because I was just killing time there. <laughs> Amazing opportunities out of speaking. Well, look, I mean, I do a lot of speaking with Zambezi, which is an expert platform for people to learn things. okay. And so I've spoken on topics like the future of work and personal branding and that sort of thing. And I think the thing that people I work with often tell me, and it's certainly been my experience, is it's not just who's in the audience, it's who's on the panel with you. Right. So quite often you have this kind of amazing rapport with other people that are speaking with you and you end up going into kind of, you know, business ventures or business partnerships with them even, you know, from mm. that kind of that connection that you have on stage together and, you know, kind of getting inside each other's thoughts. So, yeah, what springs to mind for me is doing a few of those panels and then going on to do collaborative, you know, ventures with some of those, those people. The other thing that I'm about to do because I'm about to publish my book is get out there and do more talking. And I think that speaking platforms are really great opportunity to promote a book, for example, Mm. Um, because quite often people want to do business with you on an individual level and you just don't have capacity to do that. Like I work with a lot of companies rather than individuals most of the time. But a book is a great way to kind of go, well, here's a lot more about what I was saying. You know, you can kind of self-navigate through that content.
0: Can you tell us more about the book and what's the title?
1: Yeah, sure. So the book title is The Business of Being You. And Mm. The book is really my, I guess, manual for people to build a personal brand. Right. And in the case of your audience, you know, a personal brand that will help promote their business interests. So it goes through all the different scenarios that you might encounter in building a brand from, you know, dealing with media to getting on the speaking circuit to getting Mm. your social and online presence in place, plus the mind traps that stop you doing it in the first place.
0: So the business of being you, no, definitely check that out. Thanks, Brennan. And what was the inspiration for the book?
1: The fact that I didn't feel like a legitimate writer without publishing a book. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and also just, writing's incredibly clarifying, like people will find this when they write blog posts and things so, like, just kind of get to the meat of your subject mm. and understand it better. And also I just had so much content I wanted to get out there on the personal brand stuff. The only way, the only vehicle I could kind of think of to put it out there was a book, you know, kind of like Mm. a manual. It's globally relevant, so Mm. hopefully Amazon will be a good tool for getting that out there as well.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely list uh, Fleur's book in the show notes along with anything else we've mentioned today. And now breaking it down to a more personal level, So besides your stand-up comedy career, what else are you struggling with in business at the moment? So what's in your business black box?
1: Yeah. I sort of started talking about people having a portfolio career a little while ago and how that's a good thing. And I have a portfolio career and I'm struggling because I'm trying to get up about three ventures at the same time Mm. and promote my book and keep my business wheels on. Mm. So one of the things, I can't go into full disclosure on it. So I'd love to, but it's just a little bit premature. So one of the things I'm working on is business TV related. Um, So I've until recently been working on a program called Entrepreneurs, where we interview through panel style, a bunch of entrepreneurs talking about, you know, specific spaces like space tech or, you know, future of work, that sort of thing. So as an evolution of that, we're working on a much bigger Business TV concept. And what I'm struggling with is just finding the time every day to give enough love to that because it's quite time sensitive. And Mm. this is something I struggle with a lot. I love juggling.
0: Right, multitasking. Yeah,
1: I really enjoy it and I feel weird <laughs> when I'm just doing one thing. Right. So that's fine, but it doesn't, you know, like in order to actually make things work, they need a lot of love. As anyone who's started a business or a startup knows, you know, like there's five years of love in getting mm. an event to really, truly, magnificently off the ground. Yeah. So I struggle with, you know, giving it enough time to succeed. That's my battle at the moment.
0: Right. And how would you overcome that if you're in a perfect world?
1: Someone would just put a couple of million dollars in my bank account <laughs> and then I would, you know, down tools in some areas and focus <laughs> really yeah. on those other things. No, I think probably I need a time coach. So if anyone's listening to this and they want to come and work with me, I'd be ecstatic.
0: So speaking of tools, I mean, in the last sort of 12 months, have you made any good investments in any marketing or business tools that have really helped you?
1: Well, I mean, Investment's probably too strong a word because it's not a big investment. It's free, actually, on a limited way. With Slack channels, are great, and you know all my clients use Slack. So for those who are not familiar with Slack, it's a communications channel, and you can have multiple channels for different purposes. And then within each channel, you can invite people into different groups and subgroups. And I guess it's better than email because there's just such a great linear track record of conversations, you know, and Mm. collaborations around particular topics. And it was designed to be really transparent and collaborative. I think it works really well for the next generation of workers. It's kind of a, you know, a great tool for them. So Slack's been incredibly helpful for me.
0: Have you explored Slack groups at all?
1: I'm part of a few, but I'm probably not.
0: Well, I'll mention engaged one, enough. Yeah, yeah, I'll mention one in the yeah. show notes. Uh, it's Online Marketing Geniuses. So it's a community of about 20,000 forward-thinking marketers from around the world. And I mean, as you said, different channels for each uh, marketing topic and you can see the history of the conversations, reach out to people. But yeah, I found it a really good way to meet different marketers from around the world and exchange ideas.
1: Yeah, amazing. The other person i give a shout out to is a gentleman called Joe Allen, who's been working with us at Tech Sydney, which is a group for tech startups in Sydney, and he worked on the current website that Tech Sydney has. So Tech Sydney, like a lot of not-for-profit community groups, is run by volunteers and Mm. there's not a lot of time or resource in there. So he created a model where community can self-load content up to the site which has been really great because it means it's more engagement from the community and just, it's just reduced so much time in curating content for that audience. Mm. And then that content is then curated into a newsletter. And so the whole equation has just removed so much time Uh, and it's, potentially more engaging because the people who are reading the content are actually helping to curate it as well.
0: Right. So a lot of user generated content as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not so much that people are writing bespoke things for that platform, but they are sharing things that they're reading that they found helpful. It might be a medium post from someone else in the community, that kind Mm. of thing. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And speaking of the written word, are there any business books that uh, you've read recently that have really stood out?
1: Yes. Well, Seth Godin's most recent marketing book, which is really aimed at SMEs and I think you were referring Mm, to it earlier. This is marketing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know when it was written. I mean, his Mm. stuff's quite timeless, but for some reason I pulled it off the shelf recently and it's just so good. Yeah, It's really, really focuses you in on what matters and it resonates with my experience of what really works in marketing. I think it's great. I also just finished Osha Ginsberg's book, Back After the Break, right. um, which I found incredibly insightful as a celebrity writing about grappling with anxiety and also mm. grappling with the highs and lows of celebrity life. Yeah. So I was fascinated by that because I'm really fascinated by identity and, you know, mm. personal brand type subjects. But I'd highly recommend that as a as a read or a listen, you know, for anyone Mm. who's interested in that space.
0: Amazing. Yeah, we'll put both of those books down in the show notes for everyone to access. And finally, we have one abstract question that we like to ask all of our guests. You're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. So what business do you start when you land on Mars and how would you promote it to the new Martians?
1: This is going to be a long pause one. (laughs) (laughs) I would start some sort of communications platform. So one of my great, I guess, business crushes is Evie Williams who created Blogger, then Twitter Mm. and Medium. So that Mm. platform is really, really amazing. I imagine language barriers will be an issue. So creating a, a platform where people can share their stories and it's automatically translated into... English for us, I guess, or the Mm. equivalent language of, you know, whoever's there. That would be a priority for me. And then Mm. people on Earth who are grappling with climate change can read and (laughs) share those stories (laughs) and be inspired to come to Mars Mm. and escape the madness of Earth.
0: Yeah, sounds ideal. So I mean, Flo, really appreciate your time today and the value you've dropped to the audience. Is there anything you'd like to say before you go and how can people get in touch?
1: I just want to say that I think that the value of podcasts is, you know, beyond people's imagination. Like, who would have thought that, you know, 10 years in or whatever it is since podcasting started, you know, podcasts would be going
0: so strong. Yeah, it's just getting started as yeah. well.
1: And, and, you know, congratulations on putting this really fabulous content out to the community. So. Oh, thank you.
0: Thank you for coming on. But yeah, really excited to uh, share your story with our audience And you can catch all of Fleur's resources, books, and stories in the show notes at metagy.com forward slash podcast. So Fleur, once again, it's been fun and thanks for coming in.
1: Thanks, Brendan. It's been great.
0: From Metagy, this is the Forward Thinking Podcast. I hope you got a lot of value and actionable tips from today's episode. If you like what you heard, you can help us out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. If you know a business owner who needs help with their marketing, and I mean, don't we all know one of those guys, tell them to check us out. Never miss another episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more about MediG and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at mediG.com forward slash podcast. You can also view all of the resources and tools mentioned in this episode at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, why not listen to some other episodes and join the world's leading community of forward-thinking marketers. I'm Brendan Hill, your first business connection, and I'll catch you next week for another award-winning episode of the Forward Thinking Podcast.